Episode 43, Kathleen Quinn Votaw, Part 2. Welcome to Gut Plus Science. Analytics about people. Insights for executives. Truth you can act on. A high-energy, fast-paced, results-oriented exchange featuring employee engagement evangelist and CEO, your host, Nikki Llewellyn. Hey, it's Nikki, and we're back on Gut Plus Science with part two of my conversation with culture pro Kathleen Quinvota. On this second half, we dig into the reasoning behind the statistic 74% of the workforce is actively open to looking for new opportunities. And let's face it, that workforce could be yours. The cause of this can be traced back to a lot of different things, but one of the most glaring is the challenge we have of uniting multi-generational workforces. It's a stumbling block that if not addressed, it can make or break a culture. Listen to hear Kathleen explain how to bridge generational gaps to form a cohesive, well-oiled machine. And be sure to stick around till the end where I can give you my truth you can act on for both part one and part two with Kathleen. It's so good. Take a listen. What are the stats on average tenure in the U.S. today? About 2.4 years. So two years and four months is is the average, you know, kind of tenure for people across the board. Um, Some executives is about 1.8 and some people are longer, but 2.4, 2.6 is really where we're at. And it's okay. So people are scared of, t- of turnover and tenure. You know, so one scorecard that is or metric, if you will, Nikki, is we want to measure tenure. I like to ask the question, why do we need to measure tenure? I mean, tenure is good, but only if it's serving the company, the customers, and the community. It's not good if it's not anymore. So I find that people hold on too tight. They don't want to let go. They don't want to open the door and say, hey, Nikki, if you're not happy here, go find your happy. Go find something that turns you on, that makes you happy, that fits your life, that fits your passion. And and what's happened in our country, Nikki, is we have set up an adversarial relationship between employers and employees where we don't tell each other the truth. I just had a situation in my own company where I invited a woman who was great gal, but failing in her position to take 60 days, go find another job and go find her happy. She refused. She dug in. Her parents were telling her, her parents and her husband were telling her, don't tell her the truth. You just wait to be terminated. Well, what does that serve anybody, right? If she had taken the 60-day deal because she was failing, she would have been in a much better position for herself and her family and had a great reference work walking out the door. Unfortunately, she's not going to get a reference because the way she behaved in the last 33 days and forced us into letting her go. So wouldn't it be great if we're telling each other the truth and, and, and actually saying, you know, it's not, it, I'm just not feeling it. And, and, if, and if we're not honest with ourselves, so I'm a business owner and I've been a business owner for 15 years. I'm in my 15th year of owning Talent Trust and I just started another company called KQV Speaks because I'm a national speaker. In a 12-month cycle, there are days, Nikki, that I go, what in God's name am I doing? Well, I am working hard. I'm not at home. I'm in a hotel. I have a roll-on. I'm, you know, what am I doing? And if you don't think your people are having the same conversation when they go home and talk to their significant other, you're in la-la land and not not the nice la-la land that was just on the 
movie screen. You're definitely in La La Land because they are having those conversations. People have dreams, they have wants, they want to travel. They, they don't, I mean, work is a necessary evil sometimes. And it's not all beautiful. And we've got to start having those conversations and letting our people be honest if they're not feeling it. And turnover can be good for your organization. In 15 years, I've had some wonderful people work for me. I, I love them. I, they're wonderful people. They could not survive with us today. They just, they had to move on. So don't be scared of turnover. Turnover can be a really powerful thing to move your organization to the next level. And I think tenure is an antiquated statistic that we should stop measuring. I love that. I love that perspective on successful evolution of people and businesses. Kathleen, can you give us your thoughts on engaging the multi-generational workforce? Because I'm, I'm pretty sure there's four generations that are pretty active across the board right now. Yeah. Thoughts on the leaders that are struggling with this? Well, you know what I hate hearing um, is people make fun of the millennials and the Gen Zs. But what, what the boomers have forgotten who are making fun of the millennials and the Gen Zs is that the silent generation thought the world was going to come to an end when the boomers were at Woodstock and making love and smoking pot and, you know, going crazy. They thought we were going to just implode. They thought it was the end of the world. And guess what? The boomer generation has been one of the most successful generations we've ever had. So the, the predictions that the world was going to end or the sky was going to fall was just not accurate. And it's not accurate now either. So I am, I have an 18 year old who is at the end of the millennial. He's kind of on the cusp of millennial and Gen Z. And they are, I mean, they're just like any generation. They want to be successful. They want to have purpose. They want to be heard. And I'm going to just say they're smarter than anybody because um, they have information at their fingertips. If they want to know the height of Kilimanjaro, they in a minute or a second, they can get that information. Where in my generation, I'm a Gen Xer, I'm on a cusp of Gen X and uh, Boomer. I had to go to an encyclopedia. I know that's aging me quite a bit. I'm 52 years old, but I had to go to an encyclopedia or the library. Now you can sit in a coffee shop and Google, you know, I call it GTS. So I, I teach people that phrase. I feel very cool when I do it. It means Google that shit. Hopefully I can say that. <laughs> and, uh-huh, that's awesome. and it's totally fun. But I mean, in a minute, you can get an answer to a question. Absolutely. And so that immediate gratification where information is at your fingertips has changed and improved this generation. So some things that companies can do, Nikki, that are very practical is bring the generations together to talk about what they need. I'm a big communication person. And, you know, step one is finding out what do you need? What do you need from me? I'm 52. If you're, you know, 25, how do we need to communicate in order to make sure that we're working effectively together and respecting I think it's a matter of respect. And going back to how this part of our talk uh, started, you had talked about with engagement, it's just so important to measure. And if we are measuring where each of those generations are and gaining their feedback and being able to understand them and speaking to them specifically, I, I think that is, that's a wonderful way to tie that back to your measurement portion of this. So let's move on to developing people. What is the mindset that you suggest leaders take on employee development? 
if I had one more dollar to spend, I'd spend it on training my people because, yeah, um, because you can't give them enough knowledge. It's a gift to impart knowledge. And I feel as an employer, it's my job to mentor and teach people. And that's what I teach in my workshop. It, um, and there's all kinds of training. So in our organization, we allow people to choose their training. What do they want and what do they need for their job? Obviously, we monitor to make sure it's not a cooking class, um, but something that might that is aligned to the business. And it's really easy to give people training in that regard. Now, when you're in a larger organization, I think sometimes the uh, training becomes impersonal and we try to hit them with training on, you know, a couple times a year. But what happens is people don't adopt the training. I've seen a lot of training fail, Nikki, because we come in, smoke and mirrors, big PowerPoints, razzle dazzle, lovely workbook, but then we don't continue to engage them in the content. And it takes people eight to 12 iterations to adopt a new product, technology, service, piece of knowledge. And, and you can't just hit them with training and think they're going to know what to do. So training has to be designed for the role and the person and what outcomes the company needs. And there's wonderful training organizations out there that can help you design that. But it starts with leadership leadership development and and really identifying what that leader needs in order to be successful in your company, in your culture, with your products and services. So I believe in training. I believe in investing in your people. It makes a lot of sense. Yep. And if we could break down the most important tracks for training, like off the top of your head, if you could say, hey, here's a quick checklist. These are probably the segments of people and life cycles of things going on in your company that you're probably going to want to think about making sure you're constantly developing. What comes to mind? Well, the first one is communication. The second one is communication. And the third one is communication. Awesome. Um, because because people, I mean, it's really funny. We forget how to communicate. And so communication can happen in many different ways. One part of communication is email communication. Another part is verbal communication. Another part is nonverbal communication. And now we have all this technology. I mean, you and I are sitting here on this cool tool having a conversation from Denver to, you know, Denver, Colorado to Indianapolis. And um, nobody even knows where we are. And so for your emerging generations, it's embracing the um, technology and training your more established generations on how to engage with different kinds of technologies to communicate. So that's one. Then how do people want to be communicated to? Do a communication audit in your company. And how do people want to be communicated to. We've got text, we've got email, we've got phone calls, we've got video calls, we've got podcasts. How do people want to consume the information you're trying to give to them? So most things break down because we don't communicate. So I just gave you like five ideas on, on training. And for me, it's all around positive communication and critical conversations so we can get successful together. Absolutely. And I'd love your thought on this. So when in sticking in this vein of developing people and, and engaging them, um, I think we've all heard the 
quote, people join companies or brands, they leave managers. Okay. So whether that manager, you know, has horrible communication skills or, you know, feedback challenges, whatever those things are, I do agree with that wholeheartedly. And our data at Amplify shows this all the time. This has to go into this this training component. I'm going to let you just open this can of worms for a couple of minutes and talk about what are we doing wrong if across the board this challenge is happening. Well, people quit people, period. And I don't know if I don't know that it's always just the manager, Nikki. I think the manager has a big part to do in it. But people quit people they're sitting next to. Very true. Because of the way because of the way they behave. And, you know, there are A players, B players, and C players, or however you want to code them in your company. Um, High-performance people, whatever you want to call them, want to be around other high-performance people. So even if it's a manager or a colleague, and they're not high-performance people, they're going to quit that person. So people quit people all the time. So what are we doing wrong? We're not hiring the right leaders. When we go into our clients and do our gap analysis, we find that at the top of the org chart, that's where a lot of your problems are. Because those people are have never been trained on engagement. Engagement is kind of new, Nikki, let's be honest. I mean, we've been talking about it for a couple of years, but people still don't know what to do about it. They're just beginning to measure it with tools like Amplify. But then once they measure it, what do they do with it? How does it come alive? How do you actually have this conversation internally about what people want and need, what's happening and what's not happening? And sometimes you're, just like I talked about with the HR people, your hiring managers haven't been trained on engaging their employees and having those critical conversations about what's important to you, why do you work here, why would you leave here, and and be brave about it. And I'll tell you why they're not having those conversations, Nikki. They're not having those conversations because they're scared. Hiring managers are scared to let people go or invite them to leave because if they do, the work's going to fall on them. So that just circles right back to our recruiting imperative that recruitment is a sales process. And if you don't have that in place to support your hiring managers, then they can't be brave managing your people. Absolutely. So, so it all it's all interrelated and it all matters. What we find is people do pieces of it, but not all. And I agree with you going back to, you know, in our world, since we're in, you know, people strategy and HR stuff all day, every day, engagement to us is a norm, but it is still very new. I'd love to level set on when you think of how you define employee engagement, how do you share that definition? And you started to talk about some different components. You talked about that actually throughout, but if you could kind of just level set for a second and say, here's the way I think of employee engagement and here are the most important components to that. What are those? Well, engagement um, is really, I, I kind of have another word for it, Nikki, if you don't mind. I call it entanglement um, and really understanding why people choose you. One of the things I ask in my workshop, the first question is, why do people choose you as a leader to follow into uncertainty every day? Because you're pri- most, of, most companies we work with are privately held, most of them. Um, there's some that are more publicly held, but most are privately held. Why do they choose you? And so engagement starts with more often than not having entanglement and alignment 
with what the person, the candidate, the employee is trying to achieve and what the company is trying to achieve, not only in business, but in the their personal life. No longer is it you leave your personal stuff at the door. People are complex. They have elderly parents. They have children. They have other outside interests. So what does the whole person need to be successful in your environment? And the more you can continue to align those values, attitudes, traditions, and beliefs, you're going to have higher engagement with your people. I, I, I couldn't agree more. That's wonderful. And, you know, um, Kathleen, there's so much that I feel like we could probably go on for 10 segments. This is probably going to be cut into two. So Kathleen, you've got an audience of leaders across the nation right now who care enough about their people that they're listening to this show. So first of all, kudos to them. I love our listeners. I would like to know what haven't we covered or what would you like to just really hit on when it comes to like, here's your greatest suggestion for this year, 2019. We're still at the, the first quarter of the year for these listeners to really help them take their talent strategy and just their engagement, all of this up a notch. Well, um, as Josh Burson says, uh, we are now in the talent era and we are, there's six key areas for every company to start focusing on strategic HR, culture and brand, engagement, technology, recruitment, and social enterprise. What do you stand for? Who are you out there? And um, it all matters. Not one piece of this doesn't matter. It matters that you step back and, and really get purposeful about your strategy around the people who are going to serve your clients. And for too long, we've been delegating that to HR and not making it a vital priority for the company and the success of the company. So write down your strategy on how you're going to focus on these six key areas and start working the plan. Such wonderful insight, examples, and resources shared today. Thank you, Kathleen. Let's take a quick break, and we're going to hear from our sponsor message today, and we'll come right back with what we call our lightning round to learn a little bit more about the personal side of you, Kathleen. We'll be right back. In our conversations with CEOs and hiring managers, we hear they're frustrated with traditional recruiting. From outrageous fees to focusing on candidates before clients, the process was broken and needed to be fixed. Enter Titus Talent. Titus Talent Strategy serves its clients using passionate people, a proven process, and unparalleled performance. Oh, and did we mention they guarantee the performance of their candidates for 12 months? If you want to learn how they're disrupting the recruitment space, head over to TitusTalent.com. That's T-I-T-U-S-T-A-L-E-N-T.com. All right, we're back on Gut Plus Science with what we call our lightning round. And Kathleen, I've got some questions for you just to uh, for our listeners, for myself to get to know you a little bit better. First up, I get a number of wonderful email newsletters from you. I get a lot of newsletters from a lot of people, but I will say yours is one that I always read. So I'm going to put you on the spot for a second. You write a lot. Uh, can you share one recommended reading, something maybe you've recently put out or something in the past and where can we find it? Yes, absolutely. So recently, um, we put out our, our 2019 hiring guide, which um, really focused on these six key talent imperatives for 2019. And you can find that on our website. You go to talenttrust.com with one T in the middle, 
click on resources and you can download the hiring guide um, and start working on these six imperatives. It's a wonderful tool. We've been doing this for about three, four years now. And um, it, these trends and how-tos are really going to help your organization. Great. And Kathleen, how about your favorite book or one that you would pick to recommend to our listeners today? So my favorite book is about simplification, and it's a book called The Gift from the Sea by Anne Lindbergh, who um, was a fabulous uh, woman and a pilot and author and um, overcame so much to be a great human being and a great leader. Um, And the focus of the book is on simplification. And a lot of my message is about simplification. And um, I really enjoy that book for men and women. It's a great quick read and, um, and I really have enjoyed it. I read it every year. Great. I'm going to add that to my list. How about a favorite vacation spot? Anywhere where there's water. I'm a scuba diver and my husband and son and I scuba dive. So we love to go to Cozumel. We love to go to Bonaire. Um, I also love Italy. I mean, you know, if there's water, I'm a happy girl. Venice is one of my favorite places in the universe because it's surrounded by water. So water is key. And I, I don't know why I live on top of a mountain in Colorado, but I do. So that's probably why I seek water. <laughs> Uh-huh. Just so you appreciate it even more. If it was in your backyard, probably wouldn't love it as much. Uh, who knows? Maybe we won't go that far. You, you know, your vacation home is still right there on your bucket list. So um, how about a favorite hobby when you're not working, Kathleen? Uh, well, my first favorite hobby is being with my husband and son. I have a 52-year-old husband and an 18-year-old son. I call them my boys and I love them. That's my first hobby. And then we love to cook together. We, we love to cook, we love to drink wine, and we love to uh, have a lot of social time. Oh, cool. And Kathleen, I'm sure that a number of our listeners would like to connect with you after the show. What's the easiest way to do that? Um, so uh, my cell phone, you can call at 303-638-3346, or feel free to email me at k. Vota, V is in Victor, O-T-A-W, at talenttrust.com with one T in the middle. You can certainly go to our website at talenttrust.com, one T in the middle, and you can get to me as well. All right, let's get right to it. The past two episodes had a ton of great insights you can apply to talent war-proof your workplace. Well, maybe not 100% perfect, but her knowledge will get you close. So number one, redefine HR leaders. Your HR leaders must be strategic thinkers. Not only that, but they also need to be involved and aligned with C-suite decision-making processes. Gone are the days of HR working quietly on administrative tasks in the background. If you want to recruit top talent, HR leaders cannot continue as mere service providers. They must become functional experts. Number two, develop a purposeful employment brand. Most companies spend a lot of time, energy, and money making sure that brand messaging is dialed in with clients or towards prospects. But when it comes to job candidates, branding is just an afterthought. Don't make that mistake. Identify your candidate population, show them that they matter, and craft a targeted message that connects with them. Show them who you are as a company and what you stand for. Number three, optimize your onboarding. Don't confuse orientation with onboarding. Onboarding starts from the very first touch. Your goal is to make a candidate want to work with you so bad that they're going to make it happen no matter what. 
when they accept the job, your process should be about a six month integration with multiple meaningful engagements along the way. Number four, measure engagement. According to Gallup, only 27% of workers in the U.S. are engaged. What do these numbers look like in your organization? In order to retain talent, you must be brave enough to know where you stand in terms of engagement and truly look at the feedback. Number five, turnover is okay. Are you scared of turnover? It's become a big evil word in today's workplace, but in reality, it's okay. In fact, it can be good for your organization. If someone's not feeling their job anymore, if it has become a necessary evil and no longer aligns with their goals and dreams, it's better for both the employee and your organization to encourage that person to move on with their life. Number six, prioritize communication training. The most valuable type of training is communication training, and we can never do enough of it. This not only includes verbal and nonverbal communication, but also how to effectively communicate using technology. With so many different mediums available, it's also important to determine how your people prefer to communicate and consume information. Never make assumptions. Really study that. And number seven, engagement is entanglement. You need to understand why people choose you as a leader. Why do they follow into uncertainty every day? Engagement starts with having this entanglement or alignment with the employee's goals, both personally and professionally. And that is what a company needs to be trying to achieve at all times. Hey, with that, we'll see you next week on Gut Plus Science. We just left the world a little bit better. Now go do something with it.